I'm afraid you only have three weeks to live, the doctor told his patient. Okay, then. I'll take the last two weeks of July and the week between Christmas and New Year's. I I like that. It's a good idea. How many of you made a New Year's resolution? Be honest. Raise your hand. You made some kind of a New Year. You're not telling the truth because you've already quit it. Here's here's the way that works. 55% of the people who make New Year's resolutions keep them for one month. 40% keep them for uh, six months. 19% will keep that New Year's resolution for two years, which I think is quite amazing, actually. This message is not about resolutions that we have made, but it's about prayer, and a prayer that can make a difference in our lives. It's a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Colossae, the Colossian church. The Apostle Paul was an encourager, and even when chiding the churches to which he wrote, his tone was always encouraging. His tone was always full of hope. And as he begins his writing to this church, Paul encourages them with a prayer. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Now let's skip to verse 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Here's what they prayed. He prayed, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Now we're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to look at perception, we're going to have that prayer, prosperity, and power. First of all, verse 9 tells us of perception. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul prayed for the church that they would be able to perceive, that they would be able to understand, that they would be able to, to get it. You ever tried to explain something to someone that, and they just didn't get it? I mean, you tried your best and they just didn't get it. It was like they couldn't get it. It's like they couldn't grasp it. They just didn't get it. They had no frame of reference that allowed them to even understand a little bit of what you were talking about. Well, Paul said, I'm going to pray for you, the church at Colossae. I'm going to pray for you that you get it. I'm going to pray for you that you'll have perception. I want to pray that you have perception of the will of God. How are we going to do God's will if we don't have a perception of it? If we don't understand what it is that that God wants us to do? 
Oh, there have been many, many people over the years, so many people that have come to me and they have said, well, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Will you pray that God will show me his will? I'm just not sure of what God's will is for my life or what God's direction is in this or that. The phrase that he uses is filled with all knowledge. And you know what that means? That means full of knowledge. Much of today's world, are, they're guessing at the next move. They're, they're sorting their way through public opinion. They're following the path of least resistance. They're trying not to offend. They're trying to get where everybody else is going without having to have much resistance to it. Jumping on a bandwagon, we used to call it. They know little about perception and finding what's right for them, and then going after that which is right. Robert Frost wrote a poem that I've quoted many times, and it talks about finding your own path or finding the path that is right for you. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry, I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden back black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled, and that has made all the difference. Jan and I were with our son, Matthew, down in Palm Beach Gardens last, the end of last week. We went down to visit with him. We had a great Christmas time. It was it was done in 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 a series. We first of all um, at the the early part of Christmas week, Matthew came up uh, to see us, and so he stayed a few days with us. And <clears throat> he was unable to be there on Christmas Day because he's a police officer and he had to work. And so then Matthew went back. And Jan and I had a night uh, or so there by ourselves, and and then. Uh, Wayne and Tawanda, uh, Wayne was here on Christmas Day, Wayne and Tawanda and, and two of Tawanda's grandchildren came. And <clears throat> then uh, my son Paul and his family came over and, and, and they were there and Wayne and Tawanda and left and, and so we were there with Paul and his family and Nathan and his family came over and <clears throat> then, then uh, Paul left and we were left with nobody, and so Jan and I went down to Palm Beach Gardens to see Matthew. And uh, we're proud of, of all of our sons and what they're doing. We're really proud of Matthew as a police officer. And I was talking to Matthew, and, and uh, it was just we were in the car by ourselves, and I said, I want to tell you something, buddy. Here, here's, what you, here's the way you want things to turn out. When you're 50, <clears throat> and he's in his early to mid-30s now, I said, when you're 50, you want to be able to look back and you want to be able to say, okay, yeah, I'm glad I did that. 
I'm glad that was the choice. I'm glad that was the direction. And you're going to be there before you know it, Matthew. And you want to be able to look back and, and you've still got life to live and you've still got something. But you don't want to have to be reinventing yourself. <clears throat> you want to be able to, to move on. You want to be able to say, all right, I know that I'm in the path that I'm supposed to be in. I'm glad that I'm here and I'm continuing on in this path. You, you, you want to be proud of yourself, son. You want to be <clears throat> glad that you have done what you have done. I can tell you with assurance that following the path of the will of God is the road less traveled. And I can tell you with assurance that it makes all the difference. The Apostle Paul did not want the Christians to whom he is writing to guess at the will of God for their lives. Neither do I want you to guess at God's will for your life. There's no way to live. Look, you're born with a purpose, and then you're born again to find that purpose. And if you're a born-again believer, find that purpose for your life. You say, well, I'm well past 50, so am I. But God still has a purpose for my life. And like me and like all of us, we live to find and to do God's purpose. You can do what God wants you to do. You do not have to wander throughout life hoping that your life will count for something. You shouldn't build your your life on the hope that it will count for something. You should build your life on knowing that you're doing the will of God and being assured that it will count for something. Ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will. Tell him that you are willing to go wherever he wants you to go. Tell him that you're willing to go for the rest of your life or you're willing to go this year. You'll do whatever he wants you to do. You'll speak when he urges you. You'll be the Christian that he wants to be. Surrender everything that you are. Surrender everything that you have. Surrender everything that you can do to him for 2017. And I dare say if you live that surrendered life in 2017, chances are you're going to pick it up again in 2018. You're not going to go back to just doing it the way you want to do it. If we are to do his will this year, we must know what his will is. How do you know that? Many of God's people are are stuck in the consulting mode instead of the obeying mode. This is a big day for consulting. This is a big day for just kind of talking about, well, I just want to I just want to worship and I just want to praise and I just want, and, and, and there's a, there's a, it's, it's like today's Christian, if you will, today's Christian lives in a staging area. It's a staging area. And, and Perry, it's, it's like there's never uh, an exit door to find this is the path and walk in it. We just kind of live in this staging uh, area. And it's not a good place to be. We're waiting to discover God's will instead of obeying what we already know of God's will. You say, well, I don't know God's will. Oh, yes, you know God's will. You know it from the Word. The Word of God is the will of God. You say, well, but how do I know it for me? Well, you do what you know of God's will. 
I'm in my last five months as your pastor, and I'm going to say a lot of things that I've said before because I don't want you to forget them. And here's one I don't want you to forget. The Bible says, draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh unto you. Draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh unto you. Do you know the benefit of that? The benefit of that is that you get to the place that the old song says, and he walks with me, and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. You want to be on a walk with the Lord. You want the Lord to whisper in your ear. You don't want him yelling at you. You don't want the Lord saying, if I have to tell you one more time, You don't want the Lord saying, look at me, look at me. You want to walk close to the Lord so that his will is clear. How do you walk close to the Lord? Well, you obey what you already know. You obey what you can already do. You obey what is already clear to you. The Word is filled with instruction for our lives. The way to perceive the will of God is to have a perception of the Word of God. We must know the will and we must know the Word. Now, when you live the Word, the will becomes clear. When you're walking in the Word, that's easy enough. You read your Bibles. And, and here's, here's what the Bible does. The Bible speaks what it says, and then it speaks to who you are. That's the way to read your Bible. Read your Bible. It'll speak what it says. You say, well, I, I, don't, I can't understand the Bible. Can you understand a letter that's written to you from somebody else? Sure you can. Well, understand that as God's letter to you. It speaks what it says, but then it's going to speak to who you are. If I get a letter from somebody, it speaks what it says. But as it's speaking what it says, I'm remembering who they are and what it's saying to me. To know God's will is to know God's word. And as you do God's word, you find God's will. Continuing on, verse 9, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled, look at this, with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual and wisdom and understanding. Now verse 10, as so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work. Now there it is, increasing in the knowledge of God. We can't do the will of God apart from the word of God. Years ago, oh, years ago, long time ago, I decided we're going to have a testimony service. We're going to have a testimony service and just going to ask you to come set up microphone down here. Just come testify. <laughs> I never will forget this woman. Oh, bless her sweetheart. She was so off the wall and she just got up and came to the microphone. And my goodness, her testimony of what God was, had led her to do just almost busted my head. Because it was so unscriptural, it was so foreign, it was so far away. And I'm standing there smiling, going, we ain't ever doing this again. Ain't ever going to happen again. (laughs) 
Some of you say, Brother Ray, why don't sometimes we have a testimony service? I love to hear the testimonies of other people. Why don't we have a testimony service? Because we had one. That's the reason we don't have another one. Because we had one. Look, we, we know that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And every year, uh, we are privileged to have a speaker from the Gideons uh, to to come, Mike Gresham is our, was our Gideon speaker this year, and he has been for several years. We had a, uh, he asked me to have someone else, I think, last year. And they talk about the power of the Word of God and what the Word of God does. All right, I'm going to give you a Gideon story, okay? Here you go, Mike. Here's a Gideon story. If you want it, I'll send it to you. A young Colombian girl received a New Testament distributed in her school by the Gideons. She read the New Testament until her father caught her reading it. And he told her not to read it anymore because it was full of lies and fantasy. But the girl kept on reading. And one day her father came home unexpectedly and he found her reading the New Testament. He took it from her and put it in his pocket and walked out the door to his job. He was a miner. He walked out the door to his job as a miner, having taken that New Testament away from her. Several hours later, sirens went off. True story. They went off in the community indicating that there had been a cave-in at the mine. The father was trapped. The rescue workers took five days to finally reach the men, but it was too late. They were all dead. Thirty-one men died, including the father of the little girl. Miraculously, the workers found the man clutching that New Testament between his hands folded in prayer. And when they opened the front cover, they read, To my daughter, keep reading this New Testament. It is true and right, and I will see you one day in heaven. Then they turned to the back page where the father had signed the commitment card after having prayed the sinner's prayer. And turning the page again, there they found signed the names of the other 30 workers that were in the mine with him. The Bible shows the way. If you want to do the will of God, go to the Bible. It shows the way. It lights the path to heaven, and it lights the path to our lives and how we should live our lives, how you should live your life in 2017. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When all of your friends have turned their backs on the word of God, and they've turned their backs on the church, and they, you, you and me and all of us should keep reading the Bible and keep obeying his words. Teenagers should continue to read their Bibles. It'll get you through your years when you have a tendency to wander from God. Singles should read the Bible. It'll give you wisdom beyond your years and help you to be guided in your life. Parents should read your Bible. You need the encouragement and the inspiration from the Word of God. Your children are still watching you. They may not come to you with their problems, but they're going to watch you with their eyes. So parents and grandparents need the Word of God. We should have a perception of the will of God through the Word of God. Those of us who are in the second half of our lives should read the Bible, leave a legacy of godliness. Paul prayed for the church. It's a prayer that we ought to pray, and that is that we would have perception 
that we would get a solid perception of God's will for our lives, a solid perception of God's Word in our lives, and in conjunction with the Word of God, live the will of God as God is leading us. Here's the second part of the the prayer. Prosperity. Perception and prosperity. Verse 10. So, as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Well, there's two areas where prosperity is always needed. Now, here's the way we think of prosperity. We think of prosperity as more money. More money. That's prosperity. Is this person prosperous? Well, not so much. Well, they don't have a lot of money. That's our prosperity. More money. Is that the end of it? Is that even the beginning of it? That wasn't the prayer that Paul prayed. He said, I pray that you'll have a prosperity in your walk. And that's the way we should pray. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Paul prayed that the believers would be prosperous in their walk with God. We should pray to be prosperous in our walk with God, our spiritual life, above every other aspect of life, our spiritual life. We should pray that our example will be the best example possible, the best it can possibly be to our children, to our grandchildren, that our example, that our walk will be exemplary to others, that people will respect our walk. You got a walk that people are picking up on. I was talking to my brother and sister about that I plan to live continue to live in Tallahassee, and I do. And I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it ad nauseum. I do not plan to interfere with this church. I do not plan to interfere with North Florida Christian School. I do not plan to be a, a, uh, an absentee pastor here. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to stay here because this is our community. This is, uh, <laughs> I had a funny thing. I don't know if I told you this, but Brother Blair, the former pastor, called me a couple of three weeks ago. And he, he was talking to me about that I had made this announcement that I was going to retire at the end of May. And, and that, that's, I mean, it, it has, um, I guess, taken some people by surprise. I don't think it took you by surprise, but it took some people by surprise. And, and, and uh, he was asking me, you know, uh, what I was going to do and so forth. And then he said, where are you going to live? And I said, well... Brother Blair, I plan to continue to live in Tallahassee. And then I told him what I just, I said, I'm, I'm going to leave the church alone. I'm going to leave the school. I am, not, I am not going to interfere. I am not going to interfere. And if I interfere, I want you to tell me. You said you weren't going to interfere, but I'm not going to interfere. <clears throat> so I said, <clears throat> I'm going to live in Tallahassee. This is where my community is. I said, I know everybody here. Everybody. And, and somebody calls me and they say, do you know so-and-so? And I say, no, but I can know them. Hang on just a minute. And I, get, I mean, literally can know everybody. You, you know how it is if you lived in Tallahassee a long time. You just know people. And so I told him, I said, I, I don't want to go somewhere and start all over. And he said, let me tell you what that's like. He said, that's what I did. Let me tell you what that's like. I said, all right, Brother Blair. He said, when you go into Lowe's, you're just another old man. <laughs> and I laughed and I said, 
I got you, brother. That's why, that's one of the reasons I'm going to stay. Now, I said all that to say this, that people are always watching us. Jan and I went to Mission Barbecue the other day. Have y'all seen that place, Mission Barbecue? Is, is it on Magnolia? Is that where it is? Yeah. Mission Barbecue. And it's one of those places. I typically don't like a place where you feel like you're sitting with people that you don't know. I typically don't like that, but, but it's a real good place, and it's a really cool concept, and they're very patriotic in there, and that's kind of the reason that I, that I, I, I went. And I said, uh, <clears throat> Jan and I were sitting, and literally there was a, there was a guy that came, and I mean, I, I'm sitting right here, Jan's sitting across from me, and there's a guy that came and sat at a table right there. I mean, I could have tickled his ear. He was right there. Get you, get you, get you. You know, I could have done that. Sitting right there. And so, you know, Jan and I try to mind our own business and to eat and, you know, and so forth. I spoke to him as he came through. <clears throat> it came time for us to, to leave. And Jan gets up and she goes. And then I turn because, I'm, I mean, I'm going to have to interact with this guy as I leave. I don't really want to, but it's, you know, it's like sitting in coach on an airplane. I, I was going to have to interact with him. And, and I mean, I was I didn't mean to, but I was going to rub him uh, as, I, as I walked out, you know. And I mean, if you're going to rub somebody, at least I'll speak to him. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I got up and I started, you ought to go there. It's a really good place. And I got up and I, and I said, well, I guess I better let somebody else uh, have this uh, table. Excuse me. He said, all right, Pastor Ray. And I went. And he smiled. He said, here's how you know me. And then he told me how, I, how we had a connection. Now, look, that right there will tell you that as, as you are living out your walk, there's going to be people who notice your walk. You can't go where they don't know. Like the the woman in the elevator in Atlanta at a hotel and and the crowded elevator and I said something to to Jan or whoever was on that elevator with me and then back in the corner the woman said you're that preacher on the radio. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, and I said I'm. Yeah, she said I let you're, you're on a radio station out of Valdosta, Georgia. I hear you all the time. Oh, yes, ma'am. And I thought to myself, you know, I am so glad, you know, that I, I didn't say or do something I shouldn't have done, <laughs> which I'm apt to say and do things I shouldn't do. And but anyway, we should seek prosperity, at, pray for it in our walk and in our work, bearing fruit in every good work. December, I spoke to you about being optimistic. There are a lot of people, including believers, who do not live with an optimistic outlook. But then there are those who have a new sense of optimism, and they, they do so because they, the political scene has changed. And people have lost jobs and this, that, and the other. And, and we're looking forward to a new year, and we think that it's going to be more fruitful. And we think it's going to be better <clears throat> to, uh, in, in the, the years to come. And we think things are going to be good for us in the years to come. I look forward to it being better for North Florida Christian School. North Florida Christian School has suffered tremendously since the major crash back in 2008. 
I look forward to being a, a better year for North Florida Christian School and, and on and on it goes. But, but, goes. But, but let me say this to you. We shouldn't limit our understanding of our prayer for prosperity. We should pray, as Paul said, that we'd be fruitful in every good work. We must pray to be prosperous in our spiritual lives and pray to be prosperous in our family lives and in our church. Pray for this church to prosper. This church needs to prosper. This church needs a, 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 a new sense of vision and prosperity among the membership. And, and I believe with all of my heart that this is the way that God is leading. Pray to be prosperous in everything. That's a good prayer. As we serve God this year, shouldn't we pray that the work that we do for Christ be more fruitful than it's been in the past? I was emailing back and forth with Senator um, Dennis Baxley out of Ocala. And uh, Dennis, uh, Senator Baxley, emailed me and he said, Retiring. I don't think it's scriptural for a preacher to retire. He said that to me. I don't think it's scriptural for a preacher to retire. He was messing with me a little bit and, and so on. But he's, he's kind of right. I'm not praying that the next year will be less fruitful for me. I'm praying that it will be more fruitful for me. In every work, as Paul wrote to the Colossians. 1 Corinthians 5.18 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Paul prayed that the church would perceive the will of God. He prayed that they would perceive the word of God. He prayed that they would be prosperous in their walk and in their work. And his prayer should be our prayer, that we perceive the will of God, that we perceive the word of God, that we have prosperity in our daily walk and in all of the work that God has given us to do. There's one more thing. We should pray for power. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. The Colossians needed the power of God in their lives, on their lives, in their ministry, and on the ministry. Do you know what we need here at North Florida Baptist Church? We need North Florida Baptist Church to have a breakout year. We need for it to have a year of, of revival. A year not only when you <clears throat> call a new pastor, but you hold yourself to a new standard. That's what this church needs. And, and it, <clears throat> it needs to be you. We, we, and and I have, I've cautioned you about this before. We, we, must, we must not coast. If we coast, how can God bless the coaster when we're supposed to be striving when we're supposed to be in motion. Waiting at the station for the bullet train is what a lot of people are doing. But it's much less effective than taking your coal shovel and stoking the fire of the engine that you already have. And, and here's the truth. I know this is true. 
I know that it's true. If you're waiting to get yourself engaged and you have somehow or another found a place of neutral and you're waiting to get yourself engaged for when the new pastor comes, listen carefully to me. You will not stay engaged very long. You can't be motivated by the fact that you've got a new preacher or that you've got an old preacher. You can't be motivated by your building. You can't be motivated by the setting. You must be motivated by the Savior, your relationship with Him, and your relationship to His local church. That's the motivation. If you're waiting for better motivation, you're going to wait the rest of your life. And as I told Matthew, you're going to look back on your life and you're going to make a decision of whether or not you'd say, thank God I did or would God I had. And when we look back and say, thank God I did, it's far better than would God I had. Far better. There are a lot of girls I dated in high school and college, but thank God I married Jan. There are a lot of things that I've done along the way, but thank God that he called me to preach. You want to have the power of God on your life, not the power of circumstances. Well, when our circumstances change, then things will be better. When our circumstances are altered, then I think that that's when we can really move in the right direction. That's when my family's going to get engaged. It's when the circumstances changed. If we're following God's way to prosperity, we're going to see things happen that, that have needed to happen for a long time, and we're going to do something about them. Having the power of God is about waiting on God, but it's also about doing what we can and should do while we are, need to do them. Here's what we have to ask God for. Two things, and, or, and then I'm finished. First of all, we need to ask God for the power to endure. For all endurance and patience with joy, Paul wrote. Aside from telling you about my, my childhood or, or family, I, I'm usually a little hesitant to use illustrations saying, okay, y'all need to look at me in this, and I did real good in this. And y'all do. I'm, I'm very hesitant to do that kind of thing because it's not really good preaching. And, and quite honestly, you've heard me say that if you knew me like I know me, you wouldn't listen to me preach. However, there is, there is one thing. God has taught me something about enduring. God has taught me something about not giving up. God has taught me something about leadership and the, and the way that people depend on somebody being there who has a, some help for them. Look, nothing good happens to the person who cannot endure. Coach Price, we had a boy come into this school a few years back, giant, about as big as I've seen. I mean, he could go bear hunting with a switch. He was huge. And I thought, man, this, this is it. <laughs> this is our answer. And the old boy just couldn't endure he just couldn't do it. And then we've had others. We had a little African-American uh, kid, and he was literally a kid when he came here. We, his name was Jet Cohen, 
And I remember Jet Cohen. Jet was not as big as a minute. He was a tiny thing. And I never will forget Jet Cohen. He's now, by the way, a hip-hop artist and, and goes under the name Lyric. So if you can look him up. It looks like lyric. And his hip-hop words may be terrible, so I'm not endorsing it. I don't know. But I, he was sitting down at the locker room waiting to get his pads in spring. And I, I went down there and I said, well, guys, first day of pads. This little eighth grader looked up at me. And I'm, he didn't, I don't know that he weighed a buck yet. He, he was tiny. And he said, today we're going to separate the men from the children. I said, you go get him, Jet. Jet turned out to be one of the best football players we ever had out on that field back there. He was running back. He ran like a water bug. He was just all over the place. He was excellent. Nothing good happens to the person who can't endure. Everything worthwhile takes time and endurance. Quitters just don't make it. Here's a story from someone who ran the New York City Marathon. The first half of the race is a party. You're swept along by 28,000 runners, crowds lining the streets and people running in costumes. You're touring the ethnic neighborhoods of Brooklyn and Queens, and you feel like you could run forever. At mile 13, you cross over into Manhattan and start heading north away from the finish line. Central Park is behind you, and you're going in the wrong direction. The crowds are thinner now, and the party is over. At about mile 16 or 18, you hit the wall. You're absolutely miserable physically and and psychologically. You're you're busted. All you want to do now is stop running. And you remember passing by one of those first aid stations, and there were runners lying on cots, pale and gaunt with IVs dripping in their arms. And you think to yourself, those lucky dogs. At that point, I begin to despair. I imagine myself going, <clears throat> having to go home and tell everybody I didn't finish. Why did I ever sign up for this race? What made me think that I could do this? That's when it hit me. One way or another, I had to get to Central Park. That's where my ride was. I had no car. I had no money. I, I would have to get there on my own two feet. So I might as well keep running. And I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I don't think about the next six miles. Just think about the next step. And if you can keep that up, you keep putting one foot in front of another, the miles will eventually pass. And when you cross the finish line, it feels like glory, even when you're 10,044th to finish. That's the way you want to finish. That's the way you want to end it. Some of you may be hitting a wall, feeling like you can't go on, like you will never make it. Don't cave in. There's no magic to endurance in the race. There's none. You know all those things they advertise on television, these magic things? You know, have you, have you seen the thing that, that you stand on it and you twist back and forth? I like to lose weight, but I don't like to sweat. Then you ain't losing weight, sister. 
You got to sweat. You got to starve. You got to wish you were dead. At least you wouldn't have the hunger pains anymore. But stand right there. Just dumb. Don't cave in. Ask God to help you to continue. And ask God to do this. Help you to enjoy it. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience and joy. Oh, that's the key right there is have fun doing it. Have fun. Enjoy it. There there are some miserable things in life, Joe, that are made better if you can laugh at it, right? Just laugh at it. How ridiculous is this? Just laugh. You say, but it's not funny. No, it is not funny. But you can have joy if you have endurance. Should we pray in words of today, here's the way we would say it. Lord, help us to understand your will and your word. Help us to prosper in your walk, in our walk and work. And please give us your power to endure the difficulties and still enjoy the journey.